السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب الشحلي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم ألهمنا مراشد أمورنا وأعذنا من شرور أنفسنا ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت تواب الرحيم Beloved brothers and sisters, dear listeners, dear students Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed us to be back together uh, on the uh, 22nd, uh, 23rd ayah of Surah Al-Mu'minun and we ask Allah Azza wa Jal and we pray to Him and we beseech His assistance and help and ask Him to inspire us with those words that will be of most benefit to all of us. May Allah Azza wa Jal make the dars a means of our forgiveness, a means of us finding solutions to our problems, answers to our questions, a means of removal of any and all barriers between us and Allah Azza wa Jal. Amin Ya Rabbil Alameen. Moving from this ayah, Alhamdulillah, we're grateful to our other colleagues who are covering for the past two weeks. And uh, now we're here, Alhamdulillah, ayah number 23. Uh, to a story of Nuh alayhi salam, Allah azza wa jal, after mentioning uh, the way the disbelievers were turning away from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and accusing him of various things and one of those things which that uh, you are just a human like us if you were an angel or someone else we would have been more willing to listen to uh, your message and other type of similar accusations were placed against or reasons were given to Nuh alayhi salam when he was uh, when he was also rejected by his community. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this as a warning to the mushrikeen of Makkah that look, Nuh alayhi salam was uh, not obeyed and people disrespected him, de- denied his message and of course you know what happened to their nation. So do not do the same to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam lest you also suffer the same ending. Additionally, this is a tasalli and this is a way of consoling the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that you are not the only one that is faced with this type of difficulty. Instead, the Prophet Nuh also went through the difficulty. So this is kind of part and parcel. Interesting, right? You're trying to serve the people, you're trying to help the people, and what happens? You get pushback. Um, And you'd expect that the Prophets are the ones who are the most greatest well-wishers of humanity and that they should be honored and respected and loved by everyone. But that's not the case. Because people do not understand and appreciate what the Prophets are inviting inviting towards. And so this is not only with the Prophets. This is with people who come after the Prophets as well. Um, That you will see so much uh, pushback and retaliation and hatred and anger towards people of deen who are trying to invite people towards good, who do amal al-ma'roof and nahi al-munkar. They will suffer all sorts of things as well. And it's part and parcel of it. One scholar I met on this past journey, he was telling me how, you know, when he does, when, with all the work he's doing, there's so much uh, pushback and so much retaliation from people and so much jealousy and anger and, and, you know, and things of that sort. And this is something that we always hear. And he said, uh, you know, my, his, his mom, mother is, mashallah, in the you know, 80s. And he said, my mom is, is the one who tells me all the time, okay, you know, never ever respond, just keep silent. Never respond. And this is the strongest way of, of moving forward, is that you do not engage with people who are not going to um, change anyway. 
Yesterday I was going through uh, one of Imam Ghazali's books and he talks about you know, responding to people. He speaks about what are the different types of people out there who you should engage with. MashaAllah, one very interesting thing he talks about, he said one group of people, there's no point engaging with, are people who, are, who criticize you based on jealousy. And he said those people, no matter what answer you give them, they will never accept it. They will always find something to come up, come back to you with. They will always find something to criticize you with. He said jealousy is just a un- almost an uncurable disease. That it is something beyond you. If a person is afflicted with this disease, you just have to ask Allah to cure him. But it's very difficult for that person to get cured. And definitely you don't want to waste your time engaging with someone who is jealous with you because no matter what you try do to try to appease him or try to satisfy him, you will never get satisfied. It is that type of horrible disease which burns within a person and that anything and everything you say, seem, well, your right seems wrong. Right? Your, your white seems black. Every single thing that you present to him is just going to be the opposite of what it actually is. And these type of people, you're wasting energy, your resources in trying to please them and trying to satisfy them because they never will be. SubhanAllah. What an amazing thing. If so we should understand this. That number one, we have to make sure never ever do we find ourselves in a state in which we have jealousy about, regarding anyone. This is a very, very horrible disease that will bring down a person, will, will destroy a person's dunya and deen and akhirah. In one hadith the Prophet ﷺ said regarding jealousy, he said, al haliqa. Halaq, you know, means to shave your head. And then he explained, he said, I'm not talking about something that shaves your head. He said, rather it shaves your deen. Jealousy is something that will shave your deen off. It's a horrible disease uh, that a person may suffer from. So that's why we need to make sure that we, we are, our hearts are clean. And number two, is that if you find someone who is jealous of you and he's always finding reason to criticize you, go after you, there's no point in engaging that. Instead, we should read Qul Adul Falaq, Qul Adul Nas, seek Allah Subhanahu's protection from the evil of this individual and move forward. And this is some. This is the beautiful advice of Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi So the prophets also. You know, many times there's people who are jealous of the prophets because they feel like, oh, you know, he has miracles, he has power, people are attracted to him, people are coming, sitting around him, and they want that. They want that for themselves. So many times they know the truth, but it is out of jealousy that they don't want to listen and obey the prophets. As mentioned clearly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Hasadam min indi anfusi, min ba'di ma tabayyana lahumul haqq. Oh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they know everything. The kuffar, the disbelievers, especially the Ahlul Kitab. The people who've been given the pre- books in the, from the previous nations, they know exactly what's right, what's wrong. But then why don't they believe you? Hasadam min indi anfusim. This is because of the jealousy that they have from their own end. Min ba'di ma haqq. After the truth has become very clear for them. After the truth has become very clear, yet because of the horrible disease of jealousy, they are refusing to accept you as a prophet. What should you do? Fa'fu, forgive them. Wasfahu, turn away from them. Until Allah chooses to bring down His decision. Meaning Allah, Allah will either give them hidayat, or Allah will, bring, Allah will bring death, or Allah will bring adab for them in this very world, and then death. Right? So don't engage. Once you know, there's, you've done your job of trying to explain to people, but it's the jealousy that stops them. What an amazing advice. So this is not something specific to the prophets. People who do the work of the prophets and invite towards the truth will also suffer the same lot. In this manner, we have deputed and we have set aside 
enemies for every prophet from humans and from jinn. Allah is already saying that enemies have been placed there to face the prophets as a test, as a means of increasing the reward and ajr. And these enemies are both from humans and from shayateen. So anytime we want to do the work of deen, let's say you want to serve in some capacity anywhere, let's always have this in our mind that expect retaliation, expect opposition, ex- expect people not to appreciate what you're doing. And so it shouldn't come as a surprise that how is it that people are not appreciating, I'm trying to do something what's good for them. And so we're telling you that that's what the Qur'an is replete with, stories of people who loved their nations and who sacrificed for the nations, but their nations had nothing but hate. Nations had nothing but anger towards them. This is how shaitan deceives people. And so a father gets very hurt naturally. A mother gets very hurt when they do everything for their children and the children turn against them. The children say, I don't like you. I don't care about you. I have no feelings for you. You are this and you did this. And you didn't do this from You didn't do this. And the parents are crying, wondering, what, did, what could we have done more? We've done everything for this kid. And why is it this they happen? Well, unfortunately, this is how this world is. The world is such that people are not appreciative. right? Most people are not. Allah says, وَقَلِيلٌ مِّنْ عِبَادِيَ الشَّكُورِ Very few of my servants are grateful. If people are not grateful to Allah who has created them, would you expect they're going to be grateful to their parents, to their teachers, to their prophets? If you can't be grateful to Allah who's created, who's brought us from non-existence into existence, what makes us expect the people to appreciate us? Because this is natural, right? We get very hurt, we get upset when people don't listen, don't obey, don't appreciate the blessings that Allah has used us to favor upon them. We need to self, you know, do some self-therapy, self-talk, and tell us that I must have been misunderstanding this whole phenomena. Most people are going to be ungrateful. Most people are going to be unappreciative. And it is those few people who are blessed and lucky that not only will they be appreciative towards me, but they'll be appreciative towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine how ungrateful I have been to Allah who has got me out of non-existent existence. What do you expect people to be grateful to me? Think about every single time we use a restroom. How many times we use a restroom today? Right? SubhanAllah. If Allah Azza wa Jal chooses to give us taklif and pain in the bathroom, what will happen? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to stop our flow of, 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 of urine, or stop, stop our ability to, uh, to, to, to re- relieve ourselves from the filth inside our stomachs, inside our body, what will happen? SubhanAllah. One small command of Allah, of afiyah, if any one part of the system of the body is lifted, and all hell breaks loose. Everything is you know, gone. How much a person, he enjoys you know, food, but if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses to test him with a bloated stomach, Allah chooses to, just the stomach itself, how many tens of different sicknesses can happen to any one of us on any average day? When Allah chooses to pull back the, the afiyah button, what happens? When was Allah, so now the fact that we didn't get tested today with a headache, didn't get tested with constipation, or bloating, or diarrhea, or some other type of stomach illness, and then didn't get tested with uh, you know, a broken toenail, or, or a painful tooth, or a, a, you know, an ear infection, and the list goes on. How much sugar have we done for all those things? So we, we're just moving on with life. When we say, what do you think man, you're getting everything for free, you're inside this house, you have no appreciation for your dad, no appreciation for your mom, well guess what, we do the exact same thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we're moving on with life, never for one instance thinking that, you know, I could have been in a different situation. I could have been suffering so much, but Allah has allowed this day to go by so peacefully, so easily. Alhamdulillah. Every single morning, that is why 
Sadaqah becomes necessary, necessary for every single uh, you know, joint in our body. Every single joint in our body requires sadaqah. The fact that they're all working, and they're all working beautifully, this requires sadaqah. So when was we, did we give sadaqah on behalf of every single joint? But that's why the hadith mentions that Subhanallah sadaqah, Alhamdulillah sadaqah, smiling at your Muslim brother sadaqah, right? You know, removing something from the path is a sadaqah. Yani constantly we have to be searching and looking for opportunities to do good deeds in order to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of afiyah and well-being that we're going through. So the prophets have this difficult job of loving people selflessly, working for their, for their good and not expecting any return. It's easier said than done. But because we have the stories of the prophets mentioned in the Quran, we must read through this repeatedly and ask Allah to create this quality of selflessness within ourselves. When we have this level of ikhlas of khidmah, then, leaving, then it will be easy for us to be with our children, easy with us to be with our siblings, easy with us to be with our relatives, and easy with us to be with the general community because we will have stopped having expectations from them. And this is what Mawlana Shafaitani writes, is the secret sauce, the secret ingredient to having a successful life on this earth is to not have expectations from anyone. And if they happen to be nice to you, then this is some unexpected gift that has come your way. But the, the basic rule is, don't expect anything from anyone. And so when a person can understand that, then you won't have arguments, you won't have fights, you won't, have, you won't be angry, you won't be upset. Because you never expected anyone to do anything nice to you in the first place. Right? It's not that you are being angry at the community. Angry at the world. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's just like you're just walking down the road and if someone's, st- you're walking and you don't expect anyone to give you a ride, but someone stops by, he says, hey, where are you going? Let me jump in my, jump in my car. Oh, subhanAllah. Unexpe- are you, as you're walking down, let's say North Avenue somewhere to go because you don't have a car at the moment, you're not going to be sitting there getting mad and cursing all the people, 80,000 cars passing by. You say, hey, whatever. I don't, I don't blame them. I'm some random. Would I have stopped for someone who's walking down the street? I'm going, they're all going to work. They're all going to home. Why would they have me jump in their car? So, this is what it is. It is what it is. I gotta walk to the gas station, walk to wherever I need to go. But all of a sudden, someone, you know, comes towards us at the shoulder and says, hey, where are you going? Hey, jump in. Oh, that's like, subhanAllah, that's just unbelievable, unexpected. There you go. We have to lead our life in this world as though we are walking down the road, not expecting anyone to stop over and pull over for us. And when someone happens to do that, you will feel so indebted to them and just so happy. This is the way Mawlana Ashwatani Rahmatullahi said, if a person leads a life like this, he, will, he won't have that many issues and fights and arguments with people because he doesn't have expectations. So Allah Azzawajal mentions the story of Nuh and he says, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلَّا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِ Surely we have sent Nuh to his nation. فَقَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ He said, my people worship Allah. You have no God whatsoever other than Him. So do you not fear Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes and says, indeed, most definitely, surely we have sent Nuh alayhi salam. Nuh alayhi salatu salam being the first ulul azam rasul. From amongst the 125,000 anbiya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent 313 rasul, 313 messengers. And from amongst those 313 messengers, you have five ulul azam. Five of them, five of them who are highly recognized and, 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 and of the highest caliber and highest status of the prophets. And Nuh alayhi salatu salam is the first of those. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this story of his, that he was sent to his nation. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a prophet is out of the honor, uh, the ikram and the, the, the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
to the human being. Allah has given the human being free will. Like a father tells his son, okay, I'm giving you free will. You want to go, you want to become this, you want to become that, it's fine. But he still gives him good counsel. He still advises him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given humanity a free will to do as they wish. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forced people for disbelief, there would be no sense of punishment. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forced people to become believers, there would be no sense for paradise. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if He forced people to become believers, there would be no sense for paradise. There would be no test. And if Allah forced people to, to become disbelievers, there would be no sense of punishment. However, instead Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a free will to a human being. He may choose to believe, he may choose to disbelieve. But still Allah will give him advice. So out of the love that Allah has for humanity, He sent prophets to warn the people, to invite the people, to encourage the people. This is what has happened. Allah says, فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَالْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَالْيَكْفُرْ Whosoever wants to believe, may believe. And whosoever wishes to choose the path of disbelief, he may do so. Remember, إِنَّا أَعْتَدْنَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ النَّارًا أَحَاطَ بِهِمْ سُرَادِقُهَا Indeed, we have prepared. For the disbelievers, a hellfire whose walls will be, even the walls will be made of fire surrounding an individual. So there is free will. If a person wishes to leave the deen, he may do so. But he should know that verily at the other side of it is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath awaiting him. You know, beloved brothers and sisters and dear parents and students, in reality is that no one can guide us uh, besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our own self. What I mean by that? If a person willing, wants to jump off the bridge, or rather let me give an example like this. If a person wants to remain grumpy, no effort of your parents, of your friends can bring happiness to you. If you say, no, I want to be angry. I want to find excuses, right? Everything is in front of you. But you're, you're just finding excuses to be angry. Like sometimes children have tantrums and, and whatnot. Whatever you do for them, they'll find ajeeb reasons to get angry. They'll find, they'll find a reason, the design in the plate, for a reason for them not to want to eat dinner. Right? And you say, wait, wait, I've been eating in this plate for 10 years, I never noticed this. What, what, what's this issue? No, that looks like a monster, that little design there. Right? What are you going to do? If you're going to find monsters on the design of your plate, then man, you know, let's call it quits. What is going to happen? Because a child has now found a reason not to eat. He will found a reason not to sleep, found a reason to be grumpy, found a reason to be upset. There's no way you can guide that, in, you can help him. I mean, you know, without forcing him. So similarly, people, they willingly choose to become believers or disbelievers. When a person willingly chooses to become a disbeliever, no one's forcing him. Once they willingly choose to become a disbeliever, then it's very hard for anyone to guide them. This is one of the things I've been mentioning with the students today. I was asking one of my teachers, SubhanAllah, that same Ustad, Mawlana Suleiman Chuksi Sahab, who I always mentioned, SubhanAllah, I got a chance to sit with him and visit him when I was in South Africa. So I asked him this question, I said, you know, how is it that sometimes you see a student in an, in, in an environment of a madrasa, surrounded by amazing, outstanding teachers, you know, it's been given everything, but still you'll see that the, the change that's supposed to happen within him doesn't happen. How come that person is not where they need to be, spiritually speaking? And this is what his answer was. He said, you know, جب تک انسان خود فیصلہ نہ کر لے اپنی اصلاح کے بارے میں تو کوئی اس کے مدد نہیں کر سکتا ہے. جب تک خود فیصلہ نہ کر لے کہ مجھے اپنی اصلاح کی فکر کرنا ہے تو لاکھ بار آپ کوشش کر لیں کوئی فائدہ نہیں ہوگا. And the gist of what he said, unless until a person does not decide himself, that I want to rectify myself. I want to rectify myself. I want to straighten out. No matter, even if you try a hundred thousand times, a million times, trying to help him with all your tools, you will not be able to help him. 
Because a man must make a decision himself. It comes down to that. Sometimes, we, uh, we, you know, I do talk about the topic of you know, leaving the deen a lot because this is what we're seeing all the time. But sometimes, you know, we really, as, as a mom and dad, you've done everything you can. You've done everything you can. It's not like you are a horrible parent, you are an abusive parent of some sort, or that the, you didn't give them environment. You taught them, you did everything. But a person then chooses to simply follow his desires and jump the, off the boat. <clears throat> what are you going to do about that? What can you do? It is what it is. You see people committing suicide so often around us. You see people doing foolish things, hurting themselves. What can we do? We see how many mass shootings are happening in the country. And sometimes our own parents are absolutely shocked that their own son could have gone, or daughter or whatever may have gone, done something like that. <clears throat> the parents should not be blaming themselves for something that they really had no share in. So what I'm trying to say is that a person, if he himself chooses to jump off the boat, only Allah can bring him back. But you cannot blame yourself at many times for this. A person needs to ask himself, really, why are you doing this to yourself? The whole world wants you to come back towards the deen. You yourself down, you know, later on will want to come back, but it'll be too late. Maybe some of us have gone through that phase, or randomly, where you just don't feel like doing anything. You just feel like you're angry. You feel upset and frustrated. And people around you are saying, what happened? What's wrong? And they're trying to find a hundred ways to bring a smile on your face. But you just want to be grumpy. So then, it won't work. You might sleep off it, you know. You go to sleep, you wake up after 10 hours and you feel better. But, you know, until you're in that state of mind, no one can bring a smile on your face. No one can get you, snap out of that feeling, that mood. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Well, that's kind of how people jump off out of the fold of Islam. That they, they follow their desires and they say, I just don't want to obey, I just don't want to listen, I don't want to uh, humble myself in front of everyone, or anyone, in front of a God. So it's very hard for that person to be guided back towards the deen until that individual internally recognizes the need for Allah. And as soon as he does that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will pave the path real quick. If a person himself does not make that step, it will not happen. So this is a, a really important point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down the prophets out of rahmah for the people. But He has given them free will. Allah says, إِنَّ هَدَيْنَهُ السَّبِيلَ إِمَّا شَاكِرًا وَإِمَّا كَفُورًا Indeed, we have guided the human being towards the path, and now he chooses if he wants to be grateful, and he chooses if he wants to be ungrateful. The path is in front of you. Every individual has his own direction in life he may take. Every single individual may have his own individual. Every man has his own qibla. Every man has his own qibla. But what you should be doing, you should be running towards goodness. Try your best to run towards goodness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of this mercy sends down prophets. He says, What shall Allah do by punishing you as long as you are grateful and as long as you are believers? Meaning if you are grateful to Allah and have iman, then why would Allah want to punish you? What, what greatness, how does punishing an individual create greatness within Allah? There are people out there who need to, who need to, show their wrath and their anger and punishment and uh, uh, you know, various forms of punishment in order to prove a point that they are all powerful. Allah Azza wa Jal, Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. He does not need to prove anything. He is great without punishing anyone. And that's what he says. How does that, yani your punishment doesn't increase in my greatness. And my, it is not something that I need to prove to someone. 
that this is who I am. That is why uh, there's one beautiful dua. Allahumma la tu, uh, Allahumma لا تعذبني فإنك علي قادر ولا تخزني فإنك بعالم Oh Allah, do not punish me for I know, for I acknowledge indeed you are all powerful. You don't need to prove a point. Do not punish me because I already acknowledge that you're all powerful. ولا تخزني And do not disgrace me فإنك بعالم For indeed you already know all of my secrets. You already know every aspect of my life. You don't need to, I am acknowledging the fact that you know what happens in the night and what happens in the day. What happens in private, what happens in public. There's no need for my veil that you have placed over me to be removed. Because this is something I already acknowledge from the get-go, that you are aware of my shortcomings and faults. What a beautiful dua. Allahumma la tu'adhibni fa'innaka aliya qadir. Wa la tukhzini fa'innaka bi'alim. This is the way we should be beseeching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help with this humility and this faith in His greatness. That you don't need to, Ya Allah, prove a point by punishing me. I am a simple, small, insignificant creation of yours. Let me go towards paradise. And you are all merciful. This is out of the mercy that you have. Shower your mercy upon me and allow me to go to Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to gain the closeness to Allah, Allah has put shahawat in this world. Allah has shaitan, shahawat, desires, all of these in reality are steps towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single time we have a temptation to commit a sin, and a person does not do so, and he does sabr, like we spoke about last night about sabr, he does sabr from fulfilling his shahwa in a haram manner, guess what? He's taken a step closer to Allah. And every time someone fulfills his shahwa of any sort through a lawful manner and then does shukr, he gets a step towards closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, hadith mentions that a person who lowers his gaze from looking at a non-mahram, the gist of the hadith, lowers his gaze from looking at haram, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow him to taste the sweetness of his iman. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment will give him to, to choose from so many various blessings, including any hur that he wishes. So these are the, this is the blessing that he will get by doing sabr from falling into haram. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah mentions that the one who fulfills his lustful desire by, through his lawfully wedded spouse, then there is a reward of sadaqah. He's actually getting ajr for that. And the Sahaba were surprised. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, someone fulfills their natural biological need. There is ajr in it. And he said, yes, if he had not done so with his lawfully wedded spouse, and he had gone, all, gone elsewhere, would he not have gotten a sin? And he said, yes, he would have gotten a sin. Well, so there you go, since he did not go down the path of fulfilling his desire through a haram means, Allah is giving him the reward for fulfilling it through a proper channel. So what we are saying here is that desires are actually a, a stepping stone to get to Allah. To get to Jannah. How so? When you navigate away from that desire through patience, you made one step towards Allah. And when you fulfill that desire through a lawful means, and you do shukr, you go towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so you have these two doors of reaching to Jannah. The door of shukr and the door of sabr. The door of gratitude and, patient, and the door of patience. And both of these doors are connected to shahawat. Both of these doors are connected to desires that a man has. And so if a person understands this, what we just said, he will realize that, you know, life is a test, yes. But the same test is the way you get in. You know when you say, 
man, this, this uh, what you call um, citizenship test, uh, citizenship test is so hard. I've been preparing. You know, your maybe uncle or aunt or someone has came from overseas. They're preparing for this. So difficult. I have to. Uh, I'm awake, staying awake at night, preparing for this. Yeah, it's difficult. But guess what? The same citizenship test is is your is your key to getting a blue passport. Is a key for you to be able to get so many opportunities in this country. It's a, it's something that people across the globe would desire. Subhanallah. Really, there's something people, they'll do anything to have what you and I here have sitting, been given without much effort. But you have to work for it. That test is difficult, but behind that test lies so much greatness. So living in this life, in this world, in 2023, in America, might be challenging for a college student, maybe challenging for a high school student, maybe challenging for a workforce employee, or a, 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 a uh, you know, an employee in, 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 a, in a huge business somewhere in downtown, Maybe lots of challenges, but remember these same challenges is what's going to propel you to the highest levels of Jannah. Through your patience and through your shukr, inshaAllah, you will see that Allah Azza wa will take you to places where you would have never imagined. What is the message of this Prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to his nation? It's the same message that all Prophets have. It is Tawheed fi ibadatillah, the oneness and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beloved brothers, I was hearing Azam Mufti Sa'radah al-Haq Damad Barakatuh mentioning that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if Tawheed was something so simple, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not have mentioned it hundreds and thousands of times in the Qur'an. It's, it's, it can't be that simple. Why would it come in every page? Why would every Prophet's message repeat it again and again and again and again? From Surah Fatiha to Surah Nas, everywhere, Tawheed, Tawheed, Tawheed. Yeah, it's not only super important, but it's also super challenging. That to have true tawheed, to truly believe only in Allah, and to believe that not only is Allah the supreme being in his, and, and, and unique in His existence, but unique in His actions. That truly no one can grant me shifa and cure besides Allah. No one can grant me a job besides Allah. No one can grant me peace of mind besides Allah. No one can satiate me besides Allah. No one can fulfill my needs of this world, of the grave and the next besides Allah. No one can make me happy besides Allah. No one can remove sadness, depression, anxiety, frustration, anger from my life besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can take care of the needs of my spouse, the needs of my parents, the needs of my children besides Allah. And that a person for even an instance doesn't feel motivated to turn towards anyone besides Allah, this is not easy. Because we have constantly, we are all being bombarded by people and things that are inviting towards themselves. Saying that I do, I do, I will give you comfort, I will give you a pain-free solution, I will give you enjoyment, I will give you happiness, I will give you ecstasy, I will give you fulan fulan. Everything around us is saying, come by us. And the dollar bills are screaming at us. Gather as much as you can of me and you'll be happy. All the purses are saying, purchase me and you'll be happy. All the latest phones are saying, come get me in your, in your, in your wallet and you'll be so happy. The, later, the beds are saying, come purchase me and you'll have a peaceful sleep. Everything around us is constantly inviting us. And for a person to say, you know what? Bed doesn't give you uh, comfort without the will of Allah. A phone doesn't give you happiness without the will of Allah. A car doesn't give, make you feel any better without the will of Allah. A beautiful home is not going to give you that comfort or happiness without the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only Allah does. None besides Allah can do. And whatever it seems like people or things are doing is all mirage, it's a fake. It's everything is as it seems true. But behind that, it's the Amr of Allah. 
Lillahil Amr, Walillahil Amr. Right? To Allah belongs all affairs. To Allah belongs the dominion. Allah has the final say. This beautiful uh, chandelier above us. It can't do anything. Look right now, it's off. Nothing there. 160 bulbs, all off. It can't do anything. As, as nice as it is, it can't give you anything until you don't turn, turn on the switch. Until you don't turn on the switch. That in, what is that magic thing? It's the electricity that runs through the wires. All the switches also, and all the bulbs also, and all the, uh, you know, uh, the fixtures there can be in perfect condition. But if that electricity is not running, nothing shall happen. Similarly, everything in your life can be perfect. But if the will of Allah is not there, nothing shall happen. Nothing moves. Nothing, nothing can move. Even a simple leaf cannot fall to the ground without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge, without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission. A single seed cannot germinate in the ground without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission. A person cannot swallow a morsel of food, cannot, uh, cannot drink a sip of water, cannot digest his last meal without the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we need to work on tawheed. Because this is something that is mentioned most in the Qur'an. And so if it's mentioned most, it means two things. That it's the most important and also the most difficult. It's the most difficult. When our tawheed comes right, then naturally ibadah will come right. If you were to know Allah properly, you would have fallen in love with Him. And if you were to fall in love with Him, you would have obeyed Him. Our disobedience of Allah is a direct result of us not loving Him. And our not loving Him is a direct result of us not knowing Him good enough, well enough. And so that is why as much as we think Tawheed is, oh come on, let's move on, I'm Muslim all my life. Let's go down to the next topic. We really have to go back down to the basics, the ABC. And the basics of Islam. This is what is required today. Why? This is the issues of Tawheed. Everything, people are hafid of Qur'an. People studied four year, three, four years in the Alim program somewhere. And then they come back and say, I'm not a Muslim. We're seeing it all the what, What's going on? How is a person memorized the Quran, studied a few years in the in, in ilm, knows Arabic, and then he says, I don't believe in Islam, I don't believe in Allah. What's the issue? The issue is not lack of knowledge, the issue is a lack of tawheed. The issue is the weakness of tawheed. When this tawheed becomes weak, it, you know, all hell breaks loose, everything falls apart. All that knowledge literally just comes pile, you know, piling down and just breaking down, and it's the atalasha, it falls apart. So many times people think that the answer to our problems is more apps, more booklets, more books, more download this more, and then my life will come right. Reality is that's not the issue. There's act, uh, knowledge is at our fingertips. Everyone's got all sorts of things available on their fingertips. The issue is belief. The issue is yaqeen. The issue is tawheed. And that doesn't come through a book. That doesn't come through, you know, it's a, merely a book or an app. Of course, it's a long life, lo- lifelong effort where a person needs to, of course, study the verses of Tawheed and the Qur'an. Sit in the company of ulama who are muwahidun, who are people who truly have Tawheed inside them. And they will give off Tawheed through their presence. That when you sit with them, you listen to their talks, you sit in their company, their, their heart speaks of Allah. When they take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name, it has an effect. There are instances when subhanAllah, we read stories of mashayikh that they would come, Sit down, people who are true mountains of Tawheed. They would sit down and they, sit, they would look at the crowd. They would look at the crowd and, and be silent. And say, okay, you know, I don't have anything much to say. Hazrat, you have been invited to speak to this crowd. This whole huge audience is waiting for you. And they would look and, and there were times and they would simply say, Allah. And just that's it. 
and that one Allah would send a, a, a wave of ecstasy in, in the entire crowd. That people would feel like, like as though a sledgehammer, they've been hit with a sledgehammer. That the sledgehammers hit that, that hypocrisy, has hit that kufr, hit those sins in their heart. And it was as though they're being electrocuted with nur. Because that Allah was said from, from a person whose heart was a mountain of tawheed. And that is what we all need to go down to the basics of really asking Allah to fill our hearts with a tawheed. For us to have a deep understanding of what it means to have tawheed, to believe in the oneness and the uniqueness in the, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not only in His being, not only in His existence, in all His actions as well. Because people say, yeah, there's one Allah. I believe that. But when it comes to His actions, then they start attributing His actions to others as well. That Allah gives me shifa, but so does medicine. Allah gives me shifa, but so do uh, hospitals. And so let me, instead of giving sadaqah right now, instead of praying salah right now, let me just depend upon the hospital. Instead of asking Allah to grant me shifa, we'll see about that later on. Honor and happiness comes from Allah, maybe, but it comes more so from a job. So let me neglect my prayers, neglect my Qur'an, and focus only on my job, focus only on my education, because that's where I see things happening from. These, this is the mistake we make every single day. إِلَّا Allah, If you don't, but most people end up slipping and sliding in this aspect. So Tawheed is what every single Prophet spoke about. Surah Al-Fatiha, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينُ It is not, نَعْبُدُكَ وَنَسْتَعِينُ مِنْكَ Oh Allah, we worship you and we seek assistance from you. That is not how the Quran mentions. Instead, it's Iyaka, the object of ibadah is mentioned first. Only you do we worship. Only you do we worship. Iyaka, the object of the verb has been brought first. This is what we call in Arabic hasr. It's called in Arabic hasr means it is brought in the, when the object is brought before the verb, usually the purpose of it is exclusivity. Exclusivity. So if I say that I am going to feed you or I'm going to gift you, that means I'm going to gift you and maybe someone else. But when I'm going to say only you shall I gift, that means I've already, as I said, as soon as I said only you, I've already excluded everyone else in the room. So when I say, na'budu, we worship, as I say that, before I finish the sentence, there's a possibility, oh, you worship who? You worship Allah and someone else, or you worship someone else, or what's the deal? When you start saying, iyaka, only you, so there's not even for a millisecond an opportunity for someone to say there's shirk happening, or there could be a possibility of shirk. Now, iyaka, only you, we worship. Only, only from you do we seek assistance. That's what the tawheed that we're learning from Surah Al-Fatiha. That not for a moment can our attention go towards anyone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِعْبُدُونَ I have not created the humankind and the jinn except for the exclusive purpose of worshipping me. A person cannot worship Allah without the belief in tawheed. Allah says, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Worship your Lord until death comes upon you. So, however, how is a person going to worship till death? He will not be able to worship until unless his tawheed is very strong. مَا يَفْتَحِ اللَّهُ لِلنَّاسِ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ فَلَا مُمْسِكَ لَهَا Allah says, Whomsoever, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up the doors of mercy, no one out there can close those doors. وَمَا يُمْسِكْ And whomsoever Allah closes the doors of mercy for him, فَلَا مُرْسِلَ لَهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ Then none besides him can open those doors again for him. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ He is all all powerful, Al-Hakim most wise. When a person has this ayah in his heart, then he will not get depressed if he doesn't get the job today. 
Because he knows he was never meant to get the job. The guy in front, he says, hey, go from here. I reject your resume. Okay, guess what? He was made to reject my resume. He can't. Who is he? He doesn't even control how many times he blinks in a minute. He cannot control how many times he uses the bathroom. He cannot control whether the food will get digested or not. How dare he can think he has the ability to grant me a job or not? He may think, but why should I think? If I have true belief, how can I think that someone has the ability to take away my house? I wanted to purchase a house, but someone else came and took it. It was never meant for you. I wanted to marry someone, someone else came and got married to her. I wanted someone to marry my daughter, someone else came and, 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 and took away this amazing son-in-law I could have had. No, how is that possible? We always say these things. It's because the weakness of our yaqeen. We say, oh, he, 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 you know, he, 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 I, that was mine, and he took it. It was never yours. It was never meant for you. If you don't have it, that means it was never meant for you. Halas. Allah, no one can take away what's meant for you. No one can take away what's written for you. You have to try as hard as possible. And then after that, when you don't get what you want, realize that it was never meant for you. Who understands that? The one who's a muwahid. He understands that why should I be sitting there crying over something that was never meant? This is foolishness. This is objecting to the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I cannot do that. So this, if we, if we have tawheed in our life, so many, of, uh, so many obs, uh, obstacles in our life will go away. This anger, this frustration of not getting what we want, of trying to be ahead of others and frustrated over so-and-so getting what, I'm, uh, what I wanted, all of it will end. Because you'll say, you know what, it was never meant for me. Rida bil qada. We will be pleased with the decisions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because we will know who al qahiru fawqa ibadi. He is all-powerful, all-overarching above His servants. No one... No one's irada can go above the irada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La yu'jizuhu shay'. Nothing can uh, make incapacitate him. Nothing can overpower him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith, Inna akhwafu ma atakhawwafu ala ummati. The thing that I'm afraid the most that my ummah will be indulged in is al-ishraku billah. To commit shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ama inni lastu aqool yamshu ya'buduna shamsan wala qamara. Indeed, I am not saying that I'm afraid that my nation will begin to worship the sun or the moon. Or an idol. But what I'm afraid is that they will start doing things for someone besides Allah. Ikhlas will be gone. Sincerity will be gone. And a hidden shahwa. What is shahwatan khafiya? That a person, for example, he's worshiping, he has his fasting for Allah. Then there is a desire of his is presented. And he says, let me break the fast and fulfill this desire of mine. Shahwa khafiya. Right? A person is doing something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of a sudden someone comes and offers him. He said, let me leave the good I was doing and run towards this other guy. So what happens over there? This is a type of form of shirk. That you are worshipping Allah by fasting, by praying, by involved, being doing, involved in some good work. And then you just give it up because of another opportunity happened to come by your way. Which was not, is not from Allah, an opportunity from someone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what Rasulullah sallallahu is afraid of the shirk? The shirk is of insincerity. How, uh, how, how much are we plagued with this huge problem? That we're doing actions of deen, but unfortunately the sincerity that needs to be there is not present. My beloved brothers and sisters, any, this is the, the main point of, 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 of having a successful life. If you and I can somehow get, get a gift of ikhlas from Allah, game over, done, relax, enjoy the rest of your flight towards paradise. Once, ikh, once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives a person ikhlas, 
then every single thing will fall into place. Al-ikhlasu yasna'ul ajaiba. Shaykh Awama's very beautiful statement. That ikhlas produces miracles. Ikhlas produces miracles. It produces things that baffle you. When you see some amazing work of deen happening in the world, and you say, how did that happen, man? Where did they get the money from? Or where did they get the management from? Or where did it, where, you know, how did this effort, this madrasa, this deeni effort, this da'wah, etc. spread? Remember the reason it spread was not because of, of, of just money or management. Those are asbab, those are apparent reasons. But the real secret ingredients is ikhlas. When you have ikhlas, you can do anything. So let's all ask Allah Azza wa Jal emphatically to grant us tawheed also and grant us ikhlas because this is something which is the opposite of true tawheed. Then he told them, أَفَلَا That do you not, are you not afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That meaning, when you are leading a life of shirk, O people, O people of my nation, are you not afraid that the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will over, overtake you in this world or in the next world? Imam Ghazali in his book, Ayyuhal Walad, he mentions regarding Imam Shibli, he says Imam Shibli was a, a, a great scholar and a great a Sufi who read hundreds and thousands of, of narrations of Rasulullah. And in one instance it's mentioned or one place is mentioned that he read four he came across four hundred thousand hadiths. He read four hundred thousand hadiths. And he said, I have found one hadith that I have taken to be my go to hadith. That this hadith will suffice me in every aspect of my life. After reading how many? 400,000 hadith. What is that saying? Or that hadith, that afar? It is, I'll read it now. اعمل للدنيا بقدر بقائك فيها واعمل للآخرة بقدر مقامك فيها واعمل لله بقدر حاجتك إليه واتق النار بقدر صبرك عليها. Number one. اعمل للدنيا بقدر بقائك فيها Work for the dunya. Work for the dunya equivalent to how long you shall stay there. Work for the dunya equivalent for how long of your life, of your entire life, uh, from now till, till ever, you're gonna stay in this dunya. That's how much time and how much, how many of your resources should be spent in this dunya based on the amount of time you're gonna be spending here. And work for the akhirah equivalent to how long your stay shall be over there. Work for the dunya as long as for equivalent to the stay in dunya and prepare for the akhirah and work towards the akhirah for the amount of time you shall be staying there. And work for Allah equivalent to your need of Him. How much do you need Him? You need Him to blink your eye. You need him to be able to walk home. You need him to be able to walk out of this masjid. You need him to be able to wa- stand up. Subhanallah. So work to, for Allah equivalent to your need and dependency upon him. And lastly, nara, And protect yourself from the fire of hell based on the strength and patience you have of handling the flame of Jahannam. How much can you handle it? If you can handle a lot, okay, then don't worry about it. If you handle a little bit, then you know you can do a little bit of sin. But you say, no, I cannot handle anything. Well, then you better stay away from any and all mistakes and sins, both of the heart and the body. What a beautiful narration, right? That person, so now he is, he is mentioning to his nation, that do, are you not afraid that if you disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you are going to be, uh, be sent down, a punishment which shall be sent down upon you.
So the disbelieving chiefs, mala, are the ones who fill up the room. Mala. They are the big shots, the noblemen, the, 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 the nobility of his nation. The disbelieving chiefs from amongst his nation said, This man is nothing but a human being like you. He eats like you, he drinks like you, the way they told the Prophet ﷺ. To the extent they said, he goes in the marketplace and goes shopping the way you do. Going shopping should be a good thing. To say, you know what, you can, you can what you call, uh, connect with him. You can connect with him. But they thought that that was a problem. How do you go shopping? And how do you go to eat and drink? You should be just sitting there not having to do anything. And of course, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to then not send a human, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to send an angel, then they would say, okay, this person, he's not, we can't really relate to him. He says, don't look at haram. Well, he has no inclination to look at haram. He says, you know, take care of your spouse. He doesn't have a wife himself. Uh, you know, he says, take, be nice to your kids. He doesn't have any children. He doesn't. What does he know how, to raise, how hard it is to raise kids? Anything you would say, anything that angel would say, people would say, we can't relate to you. You're not human. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a human. And now they're saying, no, we would rather that he be an angel. You know what I said? If you don't want to listen, you don't want to do something, then you'll have a thousand excuses not to do something. No solution to that. No solution. Stop trying to you know, change the deen to appease people. You have to be humble. And you have to say, you know what? I need deen. There you go. Then there it is. But if you don't want it, then we can't, we can't force it upon anyone. This man is nothing but a human being like you. He wishes to impose his superiority over you. I told you about the jealousy that comes in. He doesn't wish, you wish. And because you wish that, and he happens to be coming in your way, you hate him. Right? It's you who wish to have superiority of the people, oh disbeliever. And you want to, like Fir'aun, and since this man is literally just humbling himself, being pelted by stones, having to listen to all this trash from the people, door to door, person to person, and says, La ilaha illallah, qulu la ilaha illallah, say la ilaha illallah. What, what kingdom has he made for himself? How has he become rich from the people? He has not. He has not become rich from the people. So then, this is uh, only your own individual spiritual issue, because of which you are angry at the Prophet. Had Allah willed, He would have sent down angels instead of Him. But He didn't. And so if He wanted us to become believers, He should have sent down angels. So this is like people today, who criticize aspects of the deen. They say, no, why does the deen say this about women? Why does the deen say this about men? Why, you know, I don't, if, Allah, if the deen was a little bit different, I would have considered it. Right? You, your father built a house, you come and you say, no, why is the powder bathroom over here? I wanted to do that. Jawabai, go sleep outside. Go sleep outside. You don't have to be here. This is our house. You got an amazing free house to be, live in. And now you sit there criticize. No, why is it like this? Why is it like that? Then who, you don't have to come here. If a person, you take Islam the way it is. You don't come in and to your dad's house and say, before I move, I'll get the contract and change things around. If you want to do that, you go live outside. If you want to come into the deen, you are not invited and welcome to come. As one, one uh, famous saying, in a, I mean, there was a famous incident happened overseas in one of the countries, Muslim countries, where a person, uh, one of the uh, scholars talked about re- reforming Islam. Alright? Reforming. He said, Islam needs reform. And then another scholar responded back. He was like a, more of a secular scholar. And the Islamic scholar responded back in Arabic by, in, by saying that, hey, deen is not be your father's 
house that needs some improvements right baap ka ghar nahi hai ki isme kuch kuch tajdeed karna hai purana ho gaya hai thoda sa you know aage piche kuch kuch jo hai paint karna hai no this din is not your father's old house that you have to paint paint it up and refine it and this and that no no this is something that is set from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's all it is who why are you sitting there trying to come and reform it so people who say islam i've got an issue with this aspect of islam and i'll tell you this anyone who comes and argues with you about certain aspects of islam say about slavery say about women's rights say about jihad say about uh, something else say but islam is not about all these things who said islam is confined to slavery or islam is confined to xyz issue bringing up islam number 1 is tawhid then risala then akhirah these are the main three things that the quran speaks about How often does the Quran speak about all these other issues that you're talking about? These are more ancillary issues. Let's focus on the basics and the foundations. Focus on the oneness of Allah. Then focus on prophethood. Then focus on the day of judgment. Then once you got these three things down, alhamdulillah, then the rest of the things will fall into place. But when people want to start up an argument based on ancillary issues and smaller issues, then uh, you know they have a problem. You see what I'm trying to say? But we can focus on these finer details afterwards. Let's focus on the main thing, which is the fundamentals of the deen. So these people don't want to listen. So now they're saying, no, we, want, we would like to rather have angels to be a prophets. If Allah should have changed it, changed it up, we would have believed Him. It's like someone who says, if Allah had changed the roles for women and men, I would have accepted Islam. And you're seeing this happening today, where people are criticizing aspects of the deen and saying, I don't, Islam, I don't jive with Islam anymore because of this command, because of this role. You know, I'm turned off because of this thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and our progeny from falling into this huge entrapment of shaitan. Right? We have not heard of such a thing amongst our forefathers. So you not hearing something from your forefathers does not... prove that this something is invalid or true it you just hear you didn't hear about it okay just because you didn't hear about different uh uh what you call um discoveries of the scientists that today is scientists your previous forefathers did not know about it does not mean that these discoveries are automatically wrong as people move forward they discover things so the deen is something that's always been there if you didn't hear about it that does not mean it doesn't exist in wa illa rajulun bi jinna He is none but a man. Okay, he's a man. Be jinnah, he's suffering from madness. Jinnah, you know, jinn, jinnah, jannah, junnah, all of these words, jim, noon, noon, all have a meaning of tasattur, sitr, to cover up. So a, uh, a person who is a jinn, like a jinn is hidden. So that word comes here. A person who's got bihi jinnah, he's mad, his aql is, and intelligence is covered. A jinnah means a shield that covers you or body from uh, an attack. Jannah is a garden whose trees are so um, uh, plentiful and that they intertwine amongst themselves the branches that it's everything behind it is hidden. Right so all of these words of jim jim nun nun mushaddad that come all the words that come from that have this me, a common meaning of being covered so they said he's a madman whose intelligence is covered by his whims or his weird ideas or it means that he is actually possessed bi jinna there is a female jinna a jinni in him there is a jinni in him he's possessed look at what he's talking about because he is speaking about tawhid he's either crazy or he's possessed 
فَتَرَبَّصُوا بِهِ حَتَّى حِينَ So wait for what happens to him until some time. Wait. He himself will die. He himself will you know, commit, you know, take his life. Or the shaitan that is in him, will possess him, who has possessed him, will eventually kill him. أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ Whatever. So imagine this is what the prophets have been accused of. Been accused of being crazy, have been accused of being possessed. So similarly, those who walk in the footsteps of the prophet should not find it absolutely wild and out of the blue that people accuse them of being madmen. Anyone who speaks on the path of the prophets, on the, uh, invites towards the path of the prophets, and is a muwahid, is a believer, speaking against shirk, he may definitely be accused of being crazy. And we're seeing this in this right now happening. That the, the ones who speak common sense are labeled as uh, crazy people. The world literally is upside down. Some of the things that are happening here, in the, in the, that we talk about gender, we talk about LGBTQ and other things, I literally shared with my satira. They were literally looked at me in disbelief. They, they were just, some of them laughed in disbelief. Some of them cried in disbelief. Couldn't believe. You know that like, really the world has come to this? He's like, literally if you were not telling me this, I would have never believed this. Never believed that these type of things could be happening. And I said, yeah. And I told them. I said, I swear, whatever's happening in America is 100% coming to you. It's a matter of months or years. Whatever's happening here is going to come definitely towards you. But I'm just giving you a warning. We, we, we got caught off guard. We couldn't do much. But at least you have a few year warning, right? Or a few, few uh, yeah, pretty much a few years maximum uh, before all of this comes out towards you. So you can actually try to put up some barricades and do some level of protection and do some type of programs to protect yourself and your community from the onslaught of this crazy new phenomenon that keep constantly keep on changing. And, it, and anyone who speaks against this phenomenon is definitely going to be called majnoon. It's going to definitely be called crazy. That you're not with the times. What, what's wrong with you? He said, Oh Allah, my Lord, Rabbi, Ya Allah, Rabbi. You see that kasra there? Alludes to is this kasra over here, Rabbi. When you have a kasra, you all know this, under a tashdeed, that is a kasra as though it's under the ba. So this is, I'm saying this because someone I heard recently making a mistake, so I'm telling this, this is not Rabba, this is Rabbi. Because the kasra is under the shadda, so it's as though it's under the ba. And what is that kasra uh, 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 make ishara towards? Rabbi, it is, oh my Lord. Oh my Lord, unsurni, help me. Bima kathabun, for they have rejected me. I don't know, I have 950 years. He lived for 1050 years. According to some scholars of tafsir, Nuh lived for 1050 years. So for 950 years, he invited them. And so 40 year, at the age of 40, he got his nubuwa. And after the flood, an additional 60 years he lived. So 950 years of da'wah, 40 years of prophethood, when he got prophethood, 950 years of working and making an effort, and then 60 years after, the, uh, after that, and after, he, after the flood, and eventually after, he passed, after that he passed away. So imagine how hard he tried before he said, Ya Allah, I'm done. I need, I need help. And so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, فَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِ So we sent our revelation to him. Make the ship under our eyes. And under our revelation. Meaning, I am not going to just tell you to do something and you're on your own. I'm going to make you, I'm going to tell you what to do and I'm going to have it under my watchful eye. Every, every action of yours is going to be done in front of me. Build the ship under our eyes and under our revelation. So when our command will come, what is the command? The command of destruction. The, the, the red button. When that, when that gets pressed, right? Then, 
The sign of it is you'll see the oven in which you make the roti. Tanur, the, the oven in the ground in which you bake and you bread. You will see water start bubbling out of the oven in the ground. And that's the sign that run. The flood is coming. فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا وَفَارَتَ النُّورُ And the oven will gush forth. فَاسْلُكْ فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّنْ زَوْجَيْنِ اثْنَيْنِ Take on its board, take on that ship, a pair of two from each species along with your family. Yani some ulama have explained that this is meaning each species that you want to survive. Because maybe there were way too many species for him to take all. That's possibility. Yani some scholars have explained that those animals that you can, that you want them to survive with you, take um, each, uh, a pair from each of them for them to uh, continue living in this new world. وَأَهْلَكَ and your family. In Surah Hud, it's mentioned believers and your family. Here it's mentioned only your family. So ulama of tafsir have said that the, for a prophet, his family is the believers and the believers are his family. Right? That's what it is. And that's why when he asked for his son, what did Allah say? إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ مِنْ أَهْلِكَ Don't ask me about your son. Your son is not from your family. Because he صالح, Because his actions are not righteous. So a person whose actions are not righteous, who is not a believer, he's not from your family. And someone who is absolutely not blood related to you, but he has good actions, he has iman, then he's definitely part of your family. And that is why on the Day of Judgment, they'll be called Ahlullahi wa Allah will ask, where are the family of Allah and the chosen close associates of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the family members of Allah? Say, who are the people, the family of Allah? He said, Ahlul Qur'an. It's the people who would recite the Qur'an. It's the people who loved the Qur'an. The people who are passionate about the Qur'an. They've been called the family of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Subhanallah. So here's a family of the Prophet are the believers. إِلَّا مَنْ سَبَقَ عَلَيْهِ الْقَوْلُ مِنْهُمْ Except those of them against whom the word has already come to pass. Meaning those people for whom destruction has already been written. They've already decided to fail. Meaning, exam, let's, come, let's all come to the exam hall, we're gonna release the grades. And we're gonna share with all of you who did how, how did you all fare in the exam. But the student who never took the exam, why should he even come? He didn't even turn it in his exam. He decided to be absent the day of exam. Unfortunately, you know, he has already chosen to fail. So, no point in coming and listening because there's, it's all game over for him. There's no ifs and buts. Let's see how I do. No, he never turned in the exam. How, what is there to see? So, it's those people who decided to remain disbelievers in this world and die in kufr. Then unfortunately we're going to say that the word has already come to pass that they will be headed towards hellfire. وَلَا تُخَاطِبْنِي فِي الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَقُونَ And do not speak to me in favor of those who have done wrong. إِنَّهُمْ مُغْرَقُونَ They are sure to be drowned. Oh Nuh salam, do not ask me, Ya Allah save this one and this one and this one. Game over. Look at that Nabi, look at the Nabi, Ya Allah. What type of heart Allah has given him. 950 years brothers, 95 years no... 9.5 years, no. 9.5 months, no. Even 9.5 days, we cannot be inviting the same person if he chooses to turn us away. We can't. 950 years, though, it's, it's something we're just quickly saying, we're not even understanding what it means. That let's, we don't have time to get into Surah Nuh and all the other powerful places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains how they rejected Nuh alayhi salam. It's painful reading it. Literally, if you have a heart, you'll cry. 
how did he have to handle this? I would just reading it is so painful. Imagine going through this one day, two day, one year, two year, three year, four year, one one decade, one century, and the nine and a half centuries. Unbelievable. And then yet the Nabi is so loving and caring that Allah knows that when the flood comes, his heart will soften up and he'll say, Allah, please save him. And Allah says, no, when that punishment comes, you have to look the other way and run. Look, get in your boat and get out. You cannot ask me now to save anyone. So it's just amazing that really how merciful the Anbiya are. It's just the, the, the hearts of an Anbiya are just something we cannot comprehend. The mercy that is put placed in there from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if we want to do the work of deen, and you say we want to be like the prophets, you and I have to love the ummah. You have to have unbelievable, uncomparable, incomparable love for the ummah. If you don't love the people, not going to work. Hazrat Mufti Allah Raksab, we I witnessed a ifta graduation. Alhamdulillah, I got a chance to witness a group of students graduating from the ifta program, yeah, a mufti program in the small island of Reunion. It's about four and a half hours by plane from South Africa. So I, Alhamdulillah, I got a chance to travel with them over there, and we witnessed a graduation of, of, of muftis from in, in that small island. And all you know, the students and the t- teachers basically are graduates of Darul Ulum Zakaria and other madaris in South Africa. So this is the piece of amazing piece of advice he was giving to the graduating muftis. That you know, if, when, you, when you graduate as a mufti and you are serving the ummah, you have to realize that he was giving, he said, Gaume Ate, because he had just come back from Pakistan. May Allah grant shifa to his wife, Muhtarama, who was suffering from cancer. Nasullah al Adim, Rabbul Ash al Adim, Shfiha, 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 Amin Rabbul Alameen. And so he said, Gaume, you know, he said in the village, but a person comes randomly, 9 p.m., 11 p.m., after Fajr, knocks on the door, I move these up. Jibai, Masla, I have a question about talaq, this, that. What is the, what is the mufti going to say? Especially on these type of issues, inheritance, divorce. Write it. Write it down. You can, I cannot answer a question on divorce just like that. Because everything, the answer, one small teeny tiny difference in the detail that you're giving me changes the whole answer. So I'm going to give an answer based on the question that's written. You can't just say, oh, I said that. Oh, mufti said that. No, what did he say? Answer to what? So that's why questions need to be written out. So he, he said, he comes knocking at the door in the village. This is because he had, I'm sure he had just experienced it a few days before, before he came from Pakistan. And he's like, Atika bhai liklo. And write it. He said, Nay bhai, uh, what you call? Aap likde. Uh, you write it. Because I don't know how to write or I don't want to write. He said, okay, Atika, give me your pen and paper. Nay, oh, kalam to hai pehene mere paas. Aap kalam, you know, I don't have a pen. You can get the pen. Tika, I'll get the pen. You have some paper? Nay, paper? Would that be paper? You have some paper there in your house, I see. Can you take that? So he says, he, we have to use our paper, our own pencil to write his question. And then we have to write his answer. And then he said something. He said, He said, you cannot get angry. Because there's a simpleton. There's just simple people in the dunya. That's how they are. That's the, that's, they don't have culture. They don't have tahdeeb. They don't have akhlaq. They don't understand. Is this the appropriate time? This is not the appropriate time. Is this the, is this the right type of question? Not the right type of question. What do you expect? You know, you just got to do it. You just got to humble yourself and just keep quiet and, 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 and control yourself and serve the people. That's what he was giving advice to the graduating students. And that's what exactly, if you're doing the work of the prophets, that's what really you have to do. You have to get a super duper thick skin, and you have to say, you know what, I'm here for the people, and this is something, beloved, 
attendees, subhanAllah, I'm so moved every time I go visit my teachers, is at this point, the level of, of selflessness. You know, look at the Fulan Sheikh. Someone told me, Fulan scholar, he's so famous in this country, great, doing great work. I said, brother, you have not seen my teachers or his teacher, even his teacher. You want to see true scholarship, you got to go see our teachers. You want to see true akhlaq, you want to see true humility, you want to see true selfless khidmah for the ummah, you, you got to travel. You got to travel and go see people. You see people who travel for an hour to go visit one sick person. On a Sunday, and the only day you're off from teaching. Go spend the half of the day going visiting, just go sit, go sit, visit one sick person. One of my ustads, he told me, you know, he's like one student, he couldn't get married for a long time, his father was crying, he's like, my son's not getting married. I said, no problem, make dua, he will, he will, eventually got married. And he just told me right now, he said, Alhamdulillah, Juma time, as soon as class finished, 11.30, I drove. One and a half hour to go perform his nikah. He said, 15 minutes. He said, I spoke for 15 minutes, performed the nikah, gave Jummah khutbah in that masjid, drove back an hour and a half, two and a half, and was th- three o'clock back in class teaching. He said, literally, he said, He said, forget about eating a meal. I, hadn't have, I didn't take even a glass of water because I had no time. That's not what I went for. This is the, the, the servitude and the self, you know, the, the khidmah of Allah via serving the people that I saw. It always amazes me. It's just seriously, it's mind boggling. Because we live in such a materialistic society over here, it's very hard for us to believe such people exist. A classmate of mine picked me up from the, from, from the airport. And I asked him, oh, so what are you doing? I hadn't seen him for years. I said, what do you do? He said, I teach in the morning alim course in one madrasa. In the evening I teach maktab. I, and, and then we started talking about tuition and, and how schools are set up. And he said, the madrasa I teach, there's no tuition. I said, there's no tuition? He said, yeah, everything's free. I said, how do teachers get paid? He said, we don't get paid. And he said, what? He said, yeah, we don't. I said, you? He said, no one gets paid. I said, then, maktab? He said, no, sometimes, what about the evening class? He said, sometimes a parent gets very happy at the completion of his son. He comes, gives a gift. Then I said, where do you make money from? How do you, you, you have children and everything else. You're not a young kid, married older than me actually probably. And he said, no, I try to sell things. He said, you have a store? He said, no, just on the side, I buy things and sell things and make things happen. And he's living a normal happy life in Africa. Not Africa, the Africa which you might be thinking, surrounded by you know, lions and, 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 and what you call zebra, zebras. No, it's actually a very, you know, like, like a first world country. SubhanAllah, he's got a house, he's got a car, he's got the city, he's got you know, everything. It's a normal, you know, SubhanAllah. But what do you call this level of contentment and the absence of its materialism is something we just, we, we haven't seen for so many years. We can't believe there's people who exist. When I went to reunion, highest, how do these madrasas run? Huge madrasa, Darul Ifta, Alam course. They said, no one pays a single cent of tuition. There is no tuition. In the entire system, there's no tuition. Seven years, there is no tuition. We talk about here in Darul Salaam, for example, scholarship. 60% of students are getting scholarship. You're like, how does that work? Well, I'm telling you what I just came from. A French colony. It looks exactly like France or Miami, you know, a tropical place, hot place. No tuition. The whole madrasa. All the madrasas there. People support it. People like SubhanAllah, people studying the deen, khalas, we're gonna give our sadaqah. We're gonna give a charity to the madrasa to be able to give education to those people who are willing to make a sacrifice of leaving the dunya to come sit in a school and study. SubhanAllah, that's, it's just a different world. We are so accustomed to this materialistic lifestyle over here. Everything is about money, making money, giving money. You know, everything is about money. We can't understand that there's people who out there who live in a different, you know, SubhanAllah spectrum, if you want to call that, a, a whole different dimension. And it's a, it's a good a wake-up call that we have, you know, we can choose to live otherwise. But we have chosen to live this style. And visiting elsewhere and seeing the level of ikhlas and sincerity that people have out there is a great reminder for myself and all of us. And that's what I benefit tremendously by sitting in the company of these teachers to see 
how they're serving. And I hope it's inspiring for you and I as well to, to, to realize that not everything's got to be about money in life. We have to learn how to do things for simply only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking nothing in return. Not even a thank you, not even an appreciation. Even when people um, uh, you know, uh, do not appreciate us, starting off from what we spoke about, don't expect appreciation. If you're expecting appreciation from, from people, then what are you expecting from Allah on the Day of Judgment? That's the whole thing. In ajriya illa Allah, my reward is from Allah, and I do not ask you for any wealth, nor do I ask you for any compensation, is what the prophets have mentioned. So inshallah, we will continue from this ayah, 20, 28th uh, onwards, next week. Uh, and uh, as a reminder, inshallah, we have this amazing program. Please take a look at the, at the uh, uh, flyer right now. The digital detox, clearing the clutter and reconnecting to reality. Right? Getting rid of this materialism that I just spoke about. So we have this annual program. This is our second annual no-tech retreat. Uh, I'm inviting all those who are listening now or afterwards to please join us this Saturday, Maghrib to Sunday, Maghrib, 24 hours but it will be a life-changing experience, I promise you, inshallah, for all of us who attend. Uh, we leave our cell phones, we leave our laptops, everything at home or in our car, and we come and we're going to listen to uh, uh, two great visiting scholars, as well as our own scholars from Darussalam, Sheikh Tamim Ahmadi and Sheikh uh, Hamza Mehtar from California, both will be traveling here to spend the weekend with us. We'll have also some talks by some uh, female scholars as well, and it will, be ta- it will be opportunity for us to not only be uh, d- d- disconnected from our digital gadgets, but also to have, for example, one of the sessions is going to be called Ruhani Salah, a spiritual salah. How to build spirituality in a salah, an hour session. And then you will have an opportunity to actually perform that salah. We'll have a workshop on dua, and then opportunity to actually do a proper dua. We'll have a session on importance of dhikr of the heart and the tongue, and then opportunity to actually sit in a corner and do dhikr. Right? So there will, this will be a very hands-on practical weekend that you will be instructed and taught and workshops on how to do certain things, and then an active activity where all of us go into the corner of the masjid and actually do that. And then we'll have uh, suhoor and iftar served here. This is, everyone is expected to be fasting. And so this is going to help, inshallah, build our spirituality when we not only detox ourselves digitally, but also from food and drink uh, for, the, uh, for the duration that we have. The days are short, and it won't be too, too tough. We'll have, inshallah, when we wake up for suhoor, we'll have a session for tahajjud. We'll be making a complete khatm al-Qur'an. We'll have dua collectively. So it's an amazing program, alhamdulillah, that we're doing. Uh, second time, open to brothers and sisters, except brother i'tikaf is only for brothers 18 and above. I encourage every one of you here, please quickly go uh, to masjidds.org forward slash detox and register for free so that you can inshallah benefit and so that we can make proper arrangements. I want to share with you a brother who just posted something in the volunteers group about last year's retreat. He said, last year I was new to the area and saw the advertising for the no-tech retreat and after some reservations decided to try it. The impact that the 24 hours had on me cannot be overstated. I went from averaging 5 to 6 hours a day of phone usage to around 1 to 2 hours a day just the following week. For years I felt like I was constantly in stress, always in a rush, but somehow still late for everything including salah. And wondering at the end of the day where my time went. After the retreat, he says, I became more mindful of my tech use and was able to reduce it and suddenly I actually had time to slow down, focus and start making small but meaningful changes over time that are having a positive impact, alhamdulillah. After some trial and error, I was eventually able to replace my phone for a cellular watch. 
which gets the job done for me without the distractions. And now in the rare case when I, need, when I have a need to carry my phone, it feels more like an inconvenience. I know there's a lot going on in the world that requires attention, but what if we work to get ourselves in the right space where we have more time to do even more to help? It's just 24 hours, but it can be a launch pad to start a self-improvement journey. Imagine where we could be in six months or one year from now if we could dedicate a few hours a day doing things that are important and are impactful. The things that we have not been able to due to the lack of time. And that time now is available, but is currently being consumed by things that are not important or not impactful like phones and other distractions. Again, I highly encourage everyone to sign up for this weekend's digital detox retreat. Following the full program as been set up by the scholars really works. Also, after the program, it's a good idea to start implementing the lessons learned right away with high urgency to avoid giving ourselves time to talk ourselves out of it. Even starting with small but consistent changes is good enough over time, they'll add up, inshallah. So I, I, I thank Allah Azza wa that this brother, mashallah, shared this beautiful message with our volunteers. And I hope this message hits my heart and all of your hearts. So make intention, inshallah, please, to be here for the entire time. Uh, in a rare case that you have to leave, you know, fine. But we don't want to make an environment where people are coming in and going like the rest of other programs. We want to make an environment here that most of us are here, alhamdulillah, from the beginning of the program um, till the end. Okay, we'll have some uh, Q&A. If, if you do not get the text messages for the weekly Qur'an tafsir, this is your first week joining here. Please quickly um, uh, uh, you know, sign up for the reminders through this scan me um, here. Inshallah, if you're joining us first time, uh, do not get the reminders. Sign up for the weekly tafsir reminder via text through this QR code. And if you have any questions, inshallah, uh, for what we've discussed or any other questions, inshallah, we'll take a few questions before we end with dhikr and dua. Slido.com. And um, the meeting number is 287-9017. Yeah. Prophet Sulaiman lived a life like a king. Allah blessed him with goodness. Can I make dua that Allah not test me with sabr, but test me with shukr? Most definitely. That's what we should all ask Allah for afiyah, ask Allah for ease and comfort. And believe it, if you are sitting in America asking this question, or in this crowd, you're already being tested by shukr. Right? And so am I. But look at what's happening in the rest of the world. SubhanAllah. So, uh, we, we, may Allah, we're already being tested with shukr. May Allah Azza wa Jal allow us to truly fulfill uh, the, the demands and the dictates of that. If we have looked at haram, then afterwards fulfill our desires lawfully after marriage. Does it not count as sadaqah? So the haram is haram. You'll have to make tawbah for that. Yes, afterwards, if a person fulfills his, his desires lawfully through nikah, that is still sadaqah. But what has happened in the past, the person needs to repent with that. How should you deal with a Muslim brother who is a leader and power hungry? Um, well, I mean, if you don't have to deal with him, don't deal with him. But, <laughs> but you have to give a little bit more context to that question. What if you're, the, you're a wife asking, <laughs> right? So or you're a daughter asking, or your son asking. So it's, it depends on exactly you know, what the specific situation is. Um, uh, it is a big problem. People, leadership, people begin to love power. It it's obviously destroys them and destroys the people around them. It's definitely a big issue. Uh, you know, so it's not an easy, easy thing that you're asking. But if you give a little bit more context maybe. Uh, is it better to give sadaqah every day? Or every, every two weeks? Uh, I mean, both are fine. Uh, whether you give every day or every two weeks, but uh, if you have an ability to sign up to give every single day, it's probably 
possibly uh, maybe more helpful in that case because you don't know how long we have to live. You know, who knows we're going to make it till the end of two weeks. So every week that you can give is great. If you miss Fajr by sleeping in, you had your alarm on, but you are someone that sleeps late or had a bad sleeping habit, is this considered a form of shirk? This is not a form of shirk. If a person, this is a, a disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if a person literally slept, was trying to wake up and overslept, then that's, that is also forgiven as long as you don't make a habit of it and you are making the right decision. Like you have stated in your question that you have bad habits of sleeping late, well, that, that's what we have to change. Right? If, if we constantly feel guilty about missing Fajr, but we continue to sleep at 2 a.m. without an alarm, then that's going to be a problem. Right? So then if we, if we have a hard time waking up, we have to sleep early, we have to sleep on the floor, drink a lot of water before we go to sleep, put on multiple alarms, have different ways of, of uh, you know, trying to wake up in the morning. Uh, if How do I know if I'm being jealous? If I see someone achieving success, is it wrong to me to wish I have that as well? That's not jealousy. If you wish that the other person suffer and be deprived of their... Success, whether you gain that success or not, that's jealousy. Tamanni zawalu ni'matil ghayr. It is when you desire that the blessings of others be taken away from them at all cost, whether you get it or not. That's what's haram. Do I give tafsir in Urdu? The only tafsir in Urdu I do is the one that I, the few sentences that I throw in in the middle of my talk. And by the way, for those non-Urdu speaking people who think that, oh man, I missed out, you said something in Urdu. Trust me, ask the people who speak Urdu. Anything I say in Urdu, I will always translate it. Uh, uh, if a person accidentally committed shirk, uh, uh, yani, uh, if a person, yani, a person, I mean, whether it's actually in shirk or not, you might be suffering from waswasa too. Some people suffer from uh, doubts, and they're always thinking that they're having, they're committing shirk. You know, they have like a, some sort of OCD on that. I'm serious. So if you have an issue, you should speak to a mufti or write to our Darul Ifta, masjidds.org forward slash question and ask about your specific situation. But Allah forbid, if someone does actually commit shirk, then he says, uh, he, he does tajdeed of his iman, renews their iman, he renews their iman, inshallah, they will be forgiven. Uh, does sadaqah remove calamities? The Prophet ﷺ has said this in the hadith, that indeed, sadaqah is such that calamities cannot overcome it. It's like a shield. So sadaqah definitely. Rasulullah said in one hadith, Dawu mardakum bi sadaqah. Treat your sick by giving sadaqah. How are we supposed to protect our family and future progeny from the modern issues of atheism, LGBT, etc.? It's a very good question. And it's a question that I struggle with every day. And that's why I share with you every day. We have to uh, choose good sahba. We have to choose the right, right environment, right people all the time. Uh, our children and us have to be in the right place. And number two, we have to uh, equip ourselves with knowledge. Number three, we have to make sure we focus on spirituality, the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And lastly, we have to make lots of dua. It's all about suhbah. I came across in my travels, I met someone who is a multimillionaire. You know, I don't know, just unbelievably wealthy. SubhanAllah, literally he, he built a whole city. I went to go visit the man who built it. I wanted to see the city and then someone said, oh, you know, we'll take you to go visit the man who built it. And I went to his house. And subhanAllah, I cannot imagine how many hundreds and millions, billions probably maybe in rands for sure, his investment is, right? It's a whole city, Muslim city. And as he was speaking to me, this uncle, he's got the vicar, vicar counter in his hand. The whole time. And I said, uncle, you know, what's your inspiration behind this whole thing? And what's like the first steps you took to build this place? And he said, the first thing I did is built a masjid. Beautiful masjid. He said, the masjid, 
it attracts the people. The mercy of Allah comes towards it. So the first thing I did is built the masjid, and after that I did all my projects around it. And, and then, uh, you know, later on I was asking, like, SubhanAllah, I found out from one of my teachers that this uncle, he grew up next door to him. And he said literally his children, just 30, 40 years ago, did not have money to buy shoes. Just 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And now, SubhanAllah, I've never seen anything like this. But how did he not allow the money to get to him? And still sitting there doing dhikr in front of me? It's because he had good... He said this word. He actually told me this word. That's why I'm repeating it. He said, Suhbah. He said, good companionship. Mulana Yunus Daya, rahimahullah, one of the great, great, great pious saints and ulama of South Africa who passed away a few months ago. He, he was very close with him. And so that companionship and suhbah of the pious people, subhanAllah, left such an amazing uh, you know, iman in his heart that the money did not corrupt him. Right? With even a millionth of that money today corrupts an average person. So... Alhamdulillah, it's nice to see that. So if you want to know what, what do we need to do, we need to have good sahbah for ourselves and our children, increase in our knowledge, increase in our spirituality, and lots of dua. Do we leave everything on Allah or should we do whatever we can then leave Allah? Of course, you know the answer. You have to do whatever you have to do. And as you're doing it, you're doing it because your Prophet did it, وسلم, And the sahaba did it. And Allah asks you to use the means. He, you know, eat and drink. Kulu washrabu says in the Quran. When in reality, the one who satiates is Allah. Why am I eating then? I'm eating because Allah asked me to eat, not because food will fill up my stomach. I'm eating because Allah asked me to do so, and my Prophet ﷺ did it. So we use the means of this world without having a slight even belief that the means can do anything. Use the means while having 100% yaqeen and conviction that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Uh, digital detoxes on the 26th Rajab is, yeah, there's no coin, there's, that's nothing to do with the date there. Okay, um, I sometimes I feel people closer to our hearts hurt us the most. It was okay to completely cut them off. <sighs> so, you know, the, the um, if there are a relative of yours, then Silman Qata'ak, uh, join ties with those who have bro- bro- broken ties with you, and that's your gateway to paradise is that when you join ties with people, you don't have to overdo it if they don't want to talk to you, don't want it. But you are saying, my doors are open. On Eid day, Jummah day, whatever it is, I'm going to still call you. I'm going to still, if I have a, a wedding in my family, I'm going to still invite you. You don't want to invite me back? No problem. I'm not inviting you so that you can invite me back. Right? That's the real quality of a believer. Join ties with those who break ties with you. How to balance between asbab and the belief in Allah. So this is the name of the game. It's tough. True. But like I said, use the, uh, while you're using the means, I just repeat the same thing what I just said. Tell yourself, I'm doing, using this means because the Prophet ﷺ used means. And this means will help me with the belief, with the belief that Allah, if Allah's amr is with here, I'm going to drink this water. Yes, I am. But as I'm believing, I'm, I'm going to renew my tawheed and re- refresh my iman that this water is going to quench my thirst with the will of Allah. And so that this drinking of water also will be an ibadah. So that's how we have to lead all aspects of our life. Some one question was, how do I feel? A person said, um, how do um, being, being feeling used or let down? Any good du'as for this? When a person feels let down, then you uh, you look at um, you know uh, 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 read I guess read about the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu the difficulties that he went through, and connect yourself with the Quran. 
reciting the Quran, reciting the Quran, even if you don't understand the translation, is a powerful way of rejuvenating your inner self. Reading La Hawla wa La Quwwata illa Billah is also powerful in removing depression. La Hawla wa La Quwwata illa Billah. No power and no might can take me away from sin and inspire me to do good except for the power and the might that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So people are like that. I hope by listening to this dars you feel better. That you realize that there's enemies and there's people out there all the time. And our rewards are with Allah. We shouldn't expect anything from anyone. So th- these are the concepts of the Quran. And the stories and the themes of the seerah of the Prophet And also a reminder that we have approximately 40 days left for Ramadan. That's it. 40 days left for Ramadan. So... Um, <clears throat> Okay, uh, so uh, uh, you know this is the best time right now. If we have not already started our Quranic uh, Quran recitation, half juice a day, quarter juice a day, and if you are still a beginner level, one page a day. But make sure tonight after you hear my after you hear this message, make plans for your daily recital. If you're not fluent in your reciting, please get an ustad, and or if you are fluent but you are too busy, then get a teacher online because it's easy with your work schedule, with your study schedule. You can have a teacher online to give you half an hour or 20 minutes a day to sit and read with. If you need to find a male or female teacher, email us or, or talk to me after the dars, and inshallah I'll get you in touch with someone. But this is something very important for all of us. I think most of us have such busy lives that keep us you know, busy in useless things that we don't have time for what's important, which is reciting Qur'an. And so when you have a teacher that you can read with, this will ensure that you never miss a day. So I would highly encourage that we only have 40 days left. We start right now. So by the time Ramadan comes, inshallah, we've gotten already into the groove of reciting Qur'an. Hopefully you've completed one Qur'an. ta'ala. Right? So it's very doable, very possible. Small baby steps we have to take. Additionally, one of the brothers was telling me, he's, it's helped him a lot, is that having a, a checklist at home of all the a'mal that we want to do. Daily reciting of Surah Yaseen, morning and evening du'as, Fajr in the masjid, uh, you know, uh, 15 minutes with my Quran teacher, what you call dhikr uh, after Maghrib, Isha in the Masjid, and du'as before I go to bed. You have that list and you check it. Whether you are 60 years old or 6 years old, this helps a lot. When you have a checklist and you come up with whatever you need to do, what you want to do, and you can ask us if you need some help in that. But we already know what we need to do, we just need to start doing it. So make that list, and then every single day you say, between now and Ramadan, let me start bringing myself up. So that when Ramadan comes, I'm not starting the race. I'm already halfway through the race. And so that Ramadan, as soon as it starts, we're ready to, to, to complete the marathon, inshaAllah. What is Sila Rahmi? Sila Rahmi means Silatul Rahim is to join ties with those who break them. And, um, uh, and if, should, if someone blocked you on WhatsApp, what should you do? Right, uh, so uh, I mean, it, it depends. Again, if they, you've tried everything, you send the messages from everyone, and and they still don't want to talk to you, then don't worry about it. Um, if if unless if you know deep down that you've done something wrong, then you gotta you have to <clears throat> figure that out. Is it okay to complain to Allah if you feel someone has played to you? Yes, you can complain to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala as Yaqub Salam did. Inna ma'ashkubati wa huzni ilallah. You can do shikaya ilallah. You cannot do shikaya of Allah. Allah ki shikayat ni karna hai. Allah ko hum apni shikayat sunai. We complain towards, we complain to Allah, but we never complain about Allah. Complain to Allah, but never complain about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you made istikhara and you went against the signs that came for you, what should you do? Does this upset Allah? Oh, mistakes are made. I mean, khalas, just make istighfar and move on. Maybe you misinterpreted your istikhara. 
or, or you misunderstood it. And that's fine. Don't worry about it. Now, you know, a few, uh, uh, some sincere repentance and move forward and ask Allah Azza wa Jal to improve your situation. Allah knows best. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 
استغفر الله الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه اللهم انت السلام منك السلام وبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم انك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم انا نحسي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعز التي لا ترام اللهم نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم رحمتك ارجو فلا تكلنا اللهم رحمتك نرجو فلا تكلنا الى انفسنا طرفه عين اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم جنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم ان نسالك لسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعه ونفسا مطمئنه بك وبلقائك اللهم اغفر لنا وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات الاحياء منهم والاموات انك سميع قريب مجيب الدعوات اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين وارحم موتانا وموتى المسلمين وانصر المستضعفين من المسلمين في كل مكان سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين